It's good to be with you this weekend. I want to welcome all those at our campuses and those that are online watching and being part of this service. Thank you so much. We are concluding this two-part series, Sons and Daughters. And if you will, turn in your Bibles or to your device and turn to Luke 15. That's where we were last week, this story that all of us know. And if you missed this last week, you can go back and, and pick up. But just to give me give you a real quick snippet review. Last week we talked about this younger son coming to his father asking for his inheritance before their father passed away. Father gives it to him. He goes to a far country. He wasted it all on wild living. He ended up in a pig pen working and then a drought hits the place he's living and the Bible says he came to his senses. This, revel this fog, this revelation came off that, hey, it's better at home in the father's house than it is here. He begins the journey back home. When he's inside of his home, he sees his father, and his father is running toward him. He grabs and embraces the son. He, he, he kisses him with a kiss of acceptance and welcomes him back into the family. Jesus is sharing this story in Luke 15 so that we will know what God the Father is really like because he wants to embrace us. No matter how messy we get, all the worst that we can put forth, he's still running toward us when we're not running toward him. But the story doesn't end here because, that, I mean, it would be a great ending, but the story actually involves two sons, the younger son who did everything wrong and the older son that seemed to have everything right. And somewhere along the way, the guy who did everything right and the guy who did everything wrong both miss the big picture, and that is to know the father intimately. It seems the older son is stable, he's committed, he's confident to the father, but we want to look at the way he responds to the younger brother coming home. And, and honestly, I think all of us can see ourselves as the younger son. Uh, we've committed sins and we've returned to the father and we receive forgiveness. But very few of us will look at ourselves as the older son. And so I'll tell you this, that in, in pastoring, I've actually run into more older sons than younger sons. And so I want to show you that and I'm going to connect the pieces to it so you, it will fit everyone. Because you do know that if you're a younger son, your goal is to become an older son. If you're a younger, brand-new Christian, your goal is to become the older, more mature believer. So, here's the problem. Some of us have gotten good at being the older son and daughter, and we've slipped into some behaviors or some thinking that God wants to address. So let's look at what happened to the older son, Luke 15, 25. Now his older son was in the field. He came and drew near to the house. He heard music and dancing. So he called out one of the servants and asked, what, are these, what do these things mean? And he said to him, your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed a fatted calf. So the younger brother's been gone for a while. Most assume he's dead or he's never coming back, but then he returns. We talked about this last week in, in the sermon. And, and so there's a party going on inside the house to celebrate the return, but this older brother refuses to even go in and see his brother. Here's his response, verse 28. But he was angry and would not go in. So the father sees this, and then the father came out and pleaded with him, come in, it, it, greet, your, come greet your brother, he's back, he's alive. Verse 29, the older son answered and said to his father, for these many years I've been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours, doesn't even say his brother, but he's pointing back to the dad, this son of yours, 
who has devoured your livelihood, taken your inheritance, and has wasted it with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. So watch, this is key. He said, I never transgressed your commandments. Really? I mean, the Bible tells us several things about saying we don't sin. I mean, 1 John 1, 8 says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So, so remember, our words reveal our heart. So we're going to see the heart of the older son revealed. And, and if you want to know what's inside someone's heart, if you listen long enough, because they'll tell you. And then he said, the older son, and you never gave me a goat. You never gave me a party. You never gave me anything. Your younger son takes your inheritance. He goes and wastes. He's come back, and you are giving him something. You never gave me anything. But that's not true. Because if you back up to verse 12 in the same chapter, watch this. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. Give me my inheritance. I know you're alive. Give it to me. So he, the father, divided to them his livelihood. The younger and the older received their inheritance at the same time. And the older would have gotten twice as much as the younger because he's the firstborn. So the older son's thoughts, here's his thinking. Just by that short dialogue, he's thinking self-righteousness and he has pride. Because when you are self-righteous and you have pride, it affects the way you see yourself and it affects the way you see God. And sooner or later, you will get mad at the father. Again, you're going to think, well, God's not being fair to me. God healed that person but didn't heal this person. God blessed that person but didn't bless me. And you start pointing fingers at God, and and, and it it affects the way you relate to the father. So I'm sure this father is standing there looking at his older son in disbelief, saying, I cannot believe what's coming out of his mouth. Verse 31, he said to the son, son, you are always with me. And all that I have is yours. Now understand that the Father here is a type and a shadow of God the Father. So here's what he's saying. You are always with me. The presence of God is always with you. And all that I have is yours. All the provisions of God are yours. So the younger son missed out on the presence and the provision of the Father because he physically left the Father. But the older son missed out on the presence and the provision of the Father because his heart left, but he stayed physically. And then the father said in verse 32, it was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother was dead and he is alive again. He was lost and found. That's the second time he's repeated that sentence in that chapter. So what can we learn from this story? Now, this is going to be a little different for you or or different from me to you, okay? But what can we learn from this story? Because here's what I think. I think it's possible, this is what we can learn, it's possible to spend every day walking the Christian walk knowing data and facts about God, attending church, leading small groups, serving, and never really know God. So, so listen, listen. Who, who is Jesus telling this story to in Luke 15? Well, we know there's a group of people there, but guess who's included in the group of people? A group called the Pharisees, who in their mind, they've got it all figured out. So they're following the law. Actually, they increased and added more laws, hundreds of them, and they're following them to the best of their ability. I mean, they're even tithing down to the mint, spices, and foods. They go to the temple all the time, and they never missed out on any religious duties. But God was standing right in front of them. Jesus is telling the story right in front of them, and they couldn't see him. The Messiah they longed for, they, they prayed for, was standing in front of them. And Jesus is basically saying to this group of people, listen, it's possible to live every day talking about God and knowing facts about God and even communicating with other people about God, but you don't know him as a father. 
So listen, this is, this is what I want to say to you. In other words, it's possible to live our lives like good spiritual slaves. And this was in last week's message where the son could become a son or a spiritual slave. He was willing to compromise, but the father said, no, you're going to be a son. So we can live as good spiritual slaves. So let, let, let me share this with you. I was the best spiritual slave in my 20s and 30s. Now, you didn't know me then. But I can promise you, oh, I, I needed Christ. I knew that, and I knew my past and my failures. I believe God had forgiven me, will forgive me, but I had no idea that I could be a son because I didn't know the Father. I wasn't taught or raised to know the Father intimately. I was taught to follow this rule, do this and do that and do this and do that. And then you accept it. So what did I do? I began getting busy being a spiritual slave. Well, what were you doing? I was serving. So, so listen to me. Let's understand this. I'm going to just give you a quick little snippet of what I was doing, and this is not over 10 years. This is like every week. And I'll make my point. I was leading kids' ministry. I was leading youth ministry. I started a bus ministry. That's where you get a bus and you go out on Saturday and visit kids, and then you go by Sunday, pick them up, take them to church because the parents aren't going to church, they let the kids go. So I'm doing that on Saturday. I'm the education director of all the Sunday school teachers. Oh, I work in the grounds, clean the, clean the, cut the grass, clean the grounds. I, I clean the toilets. I painted the walls in all the rooms. I even painted the buses that we bought because they're yellow, and you can't have a yellow bus to go get kids. And, and so I'm, I'm involved in the music. I'm involved in lights. I'm involved in the sound systems, youth camps, kids camps. Just to list a few things. And I thought this was my badge of honor. This will help me in the future. And, and by the way, listen, this is not an escape route for you to avoid what your host just said about serving. <laughs> uh -uh. Oh, no. It's just don't find 40 places to serve, Okay. Find a one or two places that fit you. And see, when you really know who you are, a son and not a slave, you'll find that one place. So I thought this was my badge of honor and help me in the future. And my wife can tell you it didn't. Because eventually she had to address this in my life. The boys were small. I, I, I owned and worked full-time in my own business. I served part-time at the church. Well, it really was full-time, wasn't it? I'm never home. What good is the kingdom of God if I can't even take care of my own house? But here's the problem with this. I'm a spiritual slave, and I don't even know it. My heart is open and transparent, but here, my, my, my thinking in the back of my mind is if I can just inch my way up a little bit up the spiritual ladder, God can accept me some way and use me somehow. And I'll just be honest with you, and I, I didn't say this in the last message, but I'll just say it with you right now. It wasn't, we started this church at 45 years old. It wasn't until about I was 45 years old that I realized that I was a son and not a slave. If that hadn't changed in my life, we wouldn't be here today. Because I had that slave mentality. I got to do this and this and this and this. So that, that's what was consuming, with, consuming me in my 20s and 30s. Now, here's what I'm convinced of. I'm convinced that the enemy is not threatened by being a spiritual slave. What 
is what he's threatened with is and as we get the understanding of our true identity as a son and a daughter, when we start acting like sons and daughters who have been saved by grace, not by works, we become a dangerous force to be reckoned with. And yes, I think the enemy's behind the creation of most of our religious behavior. He wants us to be so religiously active that it gets us out of the flow of sons and daughters. And, and he had much rather us be religious than live like sons and daughters covered by grace. So the message is this for you today. I'm going to share with you thoughts that I have had and how they crept in. And, and, and just let me tell you this. I'm an expert on this issue. I'm not an expert on much, but I'm an expert on this issue. So I'm going to show you the thoughts that creep in and they creep in and take us from the forgiven son to the arrogant older son. But we've got to start out as a young son and we, we need to be an older son, but we don't need to be that arrogant older son. So here are the thoughts that I had to deal with. These are the things that I dealt with for years and years. Here's the first one. I'm better than you. Oh, I didn't say it. See, what happens as a spiritual slave, we start comparing our righteousness to other people's righteousness. Righteousness means right standing. So you start comparing your right standing to somebody else's right standing. I, get been, I begin to compare my good works to your good works. And I, I believe that my status in the kingdom of God is based on my spiritual resume. I begin to believe I can work my way toward God. And if I believe that, then I begin to compare how much work I do to how much you do. I had to adjust the attitudes of leaders like on bus ministry because they had this mentality. Well, there's only three of us going out to visit. I guess the rest of the church just don't love people. No, no, that's the wrong mentality. That's slave thinking. That's boasting in yourself. See, spiritual slaves are easy to identify because they're always pointing out what they do. If you're around them very long, and, and they talk about, they, they'll talk about stuff they've done, what they're doing. I did this, I did that, I called that, I did that, I was involved with it. Oh, I, I did that, I did this, I did that. See, there's a big difference in being a son and a daughter and a spiritual slave. I, try, try this. Pay attention to when you meet someone new. What comes out of you? I mean, do you, you start talking about God and how great he is and God the Father, or do you start talking about things you've been doing to show your spiritual resume? Do you begin to try to impress people by, by the amount of busyness you have in your life related to spiritual matters. What happens is spiritual slaves reduce the gospel down to what I would call moralism. Moralism is simply saying that God's primary purpose for coming to the earth is to teach us rules and help our behavior. Behavior modification has nothing to do with adoption or being a son or a daughter. No, it has everything to do with us being better. That is what the world thinks about us too, by the way. If I become like you, they think, then you're after my behavior changing. By the way, I, I believe in following the rules, and, and you need rules in your house, but not many. I mean, you can walk in some people's homes, and the home is like the walls are covered in manifestos, you know, and I don't want to grow up in that kind of home. I, and they all, look, they all look good, well-behaved children like robots, but here's what's happened in that home. They've made parenting about right and wrong behavior and rewards about punishment. And I believe in all that. There needs to be consequences for bad behavior, but we need to go to the extreme lengths to help our kids know that following the rules equates to good rewards, but it doesn't have anything to do with their identity. Come on, I'm talking to you baseball parents. I'm talking to you guys that are, you're grading your kids on their, on their report cards and all this stuff. I'm telling you, 
You need to know that they are your sons and your daughters and you should love them and continually and it's not contingent on their behavior because that's how God loves you. I mean, you'd be surprised how many kids think your love is based on their behavior. Well, how do you know that? Here's why, because most of us spend so much time on trying to correct behavior. And I do, I, be, I believe your kids will behave better if they know they, that you love them unconditionally, unfailingly, un, un, unending. There's never been a day in my life where my love for my kids has gotten better or worse because of their behavior. Not one time. So why am I saying this? Listen, parents. Because you don't want your kids growing up believing that God loves you when you're good and God doesn't like you when you're bad. Because that's not the truth. The truth is he's crazy about you forever and always. Always. Does he like good behavior? Sure he does. Are there rewards for good behavior? Yes. Are there consequences for bad? Yes. But it has nothing to do for his love for his adopted sons and daughters. And that's worthy of saying, thank the Lord. Come on, say it. Thank the Lord. 18 of you said it. So that first thought is, I'm better than you. Then, then, when that thought comes into my mind, came into my mind, here's the second thought that came into my mind. You're a threat. You're a threat. Spiritual slaves are always threatened by other people, especially people who are smarter. In my case, that's just about everybody. Highly competitive, and they brag about their competitiveness. Spiritual slaves believe that their position, they believe their place is the only reason they got where they are is because they worked, outworked other people. And if you show up and you start working harder than somebody may notice you, it may get my place. Now, sons and daughters believe my place was given to me because of the adoption my father's already granted me. And, and listen to this. Listen to this. The favor of the Lord is not because of my behavior, but it's because he chose to adopt me before I ever had a chance to behave well. Therefore, my place is settled and it gives me a chance to celebrate people around me and actually encourage people to run past me. So in, in, instead of competing with them, I'm coming alongside and complimenting them. Typical spiritual slaves' friends are usually people that can help them. Now, I don't expect anybody to confess this today because we're, if you're a spiritual slave, you, you got it all together. You're, you're even thinking, man, this is a good message, and you're thinking about six people that need to hear it. <laughs> and if that's you, you may be an older son. So here's you some homework. Write down six or eight people that are your close friends and look at the list and see if there's anybody that is a friend that can't help you. Because, see, spiritual slaves are manipulators. I know. They understand the power of connecting and finding people that can help you. I mean, do you have friends that can do nothing for you? I mean, nothing. Can't advance your career. They, they can't help you make more money. Nothing. Just friends. Just buds. And by the way, if you're always the smartest person in the room, then you are in the wrong room. There are people I'm connected to that can ask favors. I can ask favors from. And there's nothing wrong with that, but that's not the reason they're my friends. So these thoughts just creep in. I'm better than you. you. You're a threat to my place. And then here's the ultimate. Ultimate thought is, and believe me, I've battled this for years. If you only knew. If you only knew. I mean, th think about this. 
What happens when you start working behind the mask that you've got it all together? Now, I'll be honest with you. Most of us by now have got it all together with our mask. We're not even putting it on backwards anymore. We know. We can put it on. We can go adjust the glass. I mean, we're good to go. But what happens when you start working behind the mask that you've got it all together? Well, listen, typically there are two groups of people in our lives. One's a small group of people who think better of us than we are. And the other's a larger group who think we're not as good as you are. We all have these types of people in our lives at some point. And then what can happen is from these people, there's two forces that, that come and pull on us in our relationships. And one thought goes like this. Well, I really want to please this group of people because I enjoy their compliments. I mean, they don't know who I am, but I'm going to spend a lot of time trying to uh, please them because I like to be admired. And then the other group, the force comes in. I, well, I'm going to really work hard to prove to you that what you think about me is not right. I'm better than you think, and I'm going to prove it to you. So here's what happens. As spiritual slaves, the enemy wants to push you either toward arrogance or rejection. Either way, he pushes you, he's nailed you to the wall. Whereas sons and daughters, here's where we are. I appreciate the compliment and encouragement. We all need encouragement. And, and by the way, I, I had to walk this out this last week because people that I know used to be my friends their comments about me being in the pulpit last week was, oh, the old guy is back. Oh, look, he made it to the pulpit without his walker. Oh, the old man, the old guy. So I had to work this. I had to call a counselor too. Not about this, but I did talk to a counselor. <laughs> so what? Here's the deal. We all... If I know who I am, and I know they're kidding around, but if I didn't know who I was and I was still a slave, a spiritual slave, then that would offend me, and I'd get mad, and I've got to prove something up here. But I'm not going to be pulled into the group that thinks too much of me, and I'm not going to be listening to the voices of the crowd and think less of me. So what I'm going to do, listen to me, church, is I'm going to pay attention to what the Father says about me. Amen. Because true confidence, true confidence is believing in what God says about you and living like it. I believe there is something powerful about listening to the voice of the Father and what he says about you. And then when others come and they say great things or they say less things about you, it comes through a filter of what God's already said about you. You know one thing he's already said about you? If you're a son and a daughter, he says, you're in the palm of my hand and no force from hell and no scheme of man can take you out of my hand. So when I think like that and I know what he thinks about me, oh, I can listen to the criticism and, and then I can receive the compliments. But there's even something more powerful than the words of people. And the words of people are powerful. Sticks and stones can break your bones and words do hurt. Because as a, as a spiritual slave, and I fell into this, there's this nasty cycle that happens if you don't believe what God says about you as son and daughter. So here's the cycle. It's real simple. First, shame comes along and reminds me that you don't measure up. You ever heard that voice before? You don't measure up. I don't know how many thousands of times I heard that, and I'm doing 40 things in the church. 
and I'm trying to do this, and I'm trying to do that, you don't measure up. And then after shame speaks that, then fear comes along. Here's what fear tells me. People can't really find out who you are. Don't let anybody know who you really are because you're really a spiritual slave. Don't, Don't let anybody know. And then after that, here comes the third part of the cycle. Control sets in my toxic thinking, and, and then it says, i got to keep people at arm's length. I, I, I can't let you get close to me. I'm going to manage my appearance. i got it all together. I, I'm going to market and manage my reputation. So you'll never see the real me. And when I'm like that, here, here's, here's my thought process. Listen, here's my thought process when I was like that. I don't, I don't, I, I don't measure up. I don't want people to find out because I may lose my place in this spiritual slave thinking then takes me to I must control everything around me. Oh, I got to be the smartest person in the room. I got to be in control of everything so that nobody ever has a chance to see the real me. And then here's what happens. And this is in church. This was to a guy who was on staff of a church. This was to a guy that was a pastor on staff at a church. I invented what I call the super me. The super me is the me that we want everybody else to see. It's the picture of perfection. And the super me in church is the person who's always spiritually on top of the game and never tempted by anything. Of course, the super me, we're, we're on top of things and things are always great and wonderful. Just ask us. Super me is what people see, therefore that's what people believe we are. And if you're living like I'm describing, you're living in bondage. That means you are a spiritual slave. That means that you're in the grip of the enemy and you're not able to live free, alive, and transparent to trust God for who you really are. Are you in the grip of the enemy? Are you the master of spin? Do you have a super me? Now let me finish this by going back to the story. Watch. The actions of the younger son separated him from the father. What were the actions? I'm out of here. I'm an orphan. But the attitude of the older alienated him from the relationship with the father. What what was his attitude? I've never disobeyed you. You've never given me anything. He's a spiritual slave. So if we are to experience the true nature of the Father's love, we must eliminate the action. You can't be an orphan. You can't be isolated. And I have to eliminate that kind of attitude that I'm not a spiritual slave, that I'm not in self-righteousness, not full of pride, because that's going to prevent me from knowing the Father intimately. As a son and a daughter, you have to know him intimately. Hey, would you, would, do you, you want to see the Father's nature? Would you, would you like to see the Father's heart? Okay, li- listen to this. And you can read it yourself. It's, it's out of the New Living Translation, but, but I'm reading it. It's, it's Ephesians 1, 4. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Before he made the world. Verse 5. God declared in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. Now watch this. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. 
beyond the stars and the moon, beyond the universe, beyond the animals, beyond the, uh, the mountains, beyond this. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So verse 6, so we praise God for the glorious grace he's poured out on us who belong to his dear son. So let me summarize it for you. Before we're born, he knew us. Before all of our failures, he'd already chosen to adopt us, and we are the object of the love of the Father. That is the nature of the Father. And listen, by the way, those are the reasons I don't want to sin. When you discover how much he loves you and cares about you, you just, you just don't want to violate someone who really cares about you. And that's a powerful motivator that keeps us pure and walking toward him. He loves us, therefore I, I don't want to hurt him. I don't want to violate his rules because I'm convinced he loves me more than I can even imagine. When I believe that, then I am convinced that as a son or a daughter, I'm a new creation. I'm convinced that as a son or a daughter, I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. That I am a son and a daughter. I'm blessed and highly favored. I'm strong in the Lord. I am more than a conqueror. I am joint heirs with Christ. I am free from condemnation when I believe that. I am chosen. I am the beloved of God. And we are one in Christ when I believe that I'm a son and a daughter. And I know, listen to me, I'm almost finished, that our behavior as older sons will get better when we believe that. We need older sons. We need you serving. You need to get off the physical couch or the proverbial couch, and you need to serve. But you need to listen to God and let him identify who you are and what you're to be doing and be the best at what you're doing. Because listen, if all of us serve in some capacity, then one person doesn't have to do a dozen things. And it's always been, you know, you've heard it forever that, that you know, 20% of the church is doing 80% of the ministry. Well, that's worse today than it was whoever said that. And I think it's because we don't realize that we're sons and daughters. When we believe we're sons and daughters... Listen, we start loving other people sincerely. Not a, hey, how you doing? Yeah, love you guys. No, you sincerely love other people. You start praying differently. You're not reciting some little something. Now something's coming out of your heart because you're a son. Now you're intimate with the Father. Now you know the heart of the Father, and you're talking to the Father like a son. And all of a sudden, there's intimacy, and all of a sudden, the Word speaks to you more clearly. And now you know your path, and now you know what you're doing, and there's joy, and there's peace, and you're chosen of God. That's what he's called us to do. So let me say this, and I'll pray with you. Maybe this is your first or second time to be at City Hope Church. Some of you have been around for a year or two, so only for years. There are times here at City Hope that we share what the Bible says about behavior and consequences. But for the most part, when you come into City Hope Church, you're going to hear about this God who's running toward you even when you're not running toward him. You're going to hear about a God whose heart is so full with compassion and loves you and wants to adopt you as a son and daughter. That's what you're going to hear about because that's the mainstay. That's what keeps us as sons and daughters moving forward and building the kingdom of God that we know who we are in Christ because he loved us so much. 
I pray that those who needed to hear this received it. I pray that those who didn't need to hear this can retain it. Because sooner or later, like I said last week, sooner or later, battling with this son and daughter thing, the enemy creeps back in and you start doubting again. There's the shame and you go through this thing. Listen, we, we, we don't have time to do all that. We've got a lot to do for, to build the kingdom of God. We've got a community that needs to know the love of the father as a son and a daughter. And it's going to happen through us. Father, thank you for every person hearing your message today. And speak to their hearts. Confirm in them that they're sons and daughters. And lift up their hearts to know you intimately. Lord, the key word in this is intimacy. To know you. Not serve you as some spiritual slave. Not, not, not walk away as an orphan trying to isolate from you. But to know you intimately as a son and a daughter so that our spirit is lifted up and we are empowered to fulfill everything you desire us to fulfill. And that is what pleases you. So speak to us, all of us, in the depths of our heart by the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Wow, guys, what an amazing message from Pastor Jerry right there. And I believe there's some of us right now who, who God's been, really been speaking to us and inviting us into that intimacy that Pastor Jerry was just talking about. And so if that's you, if God's been beginning to shift perspective from spiritual slaves to spiritual sons and daughters, if, that, if you guys are here saying, hey, I want to walk in my true identity. I want to walk in this true confidence, knowing what God says about me and really believing it for real this time. You can text 97,000 to I found hope. And as you do that, we'll have pastors ready to reach out for you because, hey, you are not alone in this. And we get the amazing privilege to reach out to you guys and get to walk through this life with you. And so I want to be the first to say I'm so proud of every one of you that, that's making that decision. And um, thank you guys so much for tuning in today. And do not forget, next week we're starting off our Kingdom Builders. God already did so much last year, so I can't even imagine what's going to happen this year. And so if you want to be a Kingdom Builder and be a part of this, next week is when we're kicking that off, our, our big opening offering. And then if you have your kids... Hey, right now is the time. Get them, all, get them all in the room. We are about to have so much fun in this super interactive kids experience. And thank you guys so much for jumping into City Hope this week. I'll see you next week.